0: What a blessing Vocal Union has been for us this weekend. I've, I've decided we're going to get us a bass speaker and fly Todd in every week to just rumble us. Of course, I gotta go get my fillings checked in the morning, so they're just rumbling. Let's give my hand. Thank you guys very much. As Zach mentioned, uh, we're gonna be doing some things over the next couple weeks, and I I apologize if you're a guest because it's gonna have kind of a feeling of a business meeting, but we've got some business, some kingdom business to attend to. And I'm I'm gonna ask you, if you have a a question or concern or something that you're thinking about, As I'm presenting some of these things uh, please jot it down and put it on those index cards that are on the end of each of the pews and you can either leave them on the pews or we've got baskets in the back uh, in all three areas just drop them in there and then those will be the first questions that we address tonight at 6 o'clock so we're gonna be having pizza if you didn't sign up that's okay come on you can eat crust and uh, we'll just enjoy being together and hopefully exploring some of these ideas Have you ever tried to check into a new hotel and and you show up so you're kind of wondering, okay, what's this place? And then they said, well, I'm sorry, your room's not quite ready. I I always wonder if you can do that on the back end. You know, you got to be out by noon. Well, I'm just not quite ready to leave. No, it it doesn't. But so you you get there and then you're kind of looking around going, wow, that's kind of disappointing. And then you're wondering about the online review. How did this place get three and a half stars? Or, or how about if you go to a restaurant, maybe someone has recommended, and you're going there for the first time, you're all excited, and sure enough, it's a good sign because there are a lot of, of cars in, in the parking lot. And so you, you walk in, and of course the lobby is just slammed, and it takes forever to get a table, and once you get there, you're waiting for several minutes for a server to come by, and then once you place your order, you're there for over an hour, and you're, you're wondering were they not prepared for this crowd that was coming tonight? What, what's the deal? Is it lack of service? Is it something going on in the kitchen? Well, was the restaurant not ready for this many people to arrive? Or, or maybe when you show up to a place and you, whatever type business it is, and as you're driving around, you're kind of looking, there's kind of this sixth sense that goes off and you go, I, I wonder if we're safe here. And so these things, if we're unfamiliar with an establishment, a lot of times we just say, you know what, I'm going to pass. I'm going to go check out a hotel over here or I'm not sure I'm going to even wait around for the food to come. We're just going to leave. And so I wonder if we do that with churches as well. Maybe sometimes you've gone to visit a church and they say that within the first five minutes you make a decision on whether you're going to come back or not. So what are the, the factors that cause us to do these things? You know, in our, this is our city sermon series, we talked with the mayor and the city planner, and, and we asked him about the growth that's coming. So it shouldn't surprise us when people come on our campus. Over the next decade, we're going to double in size for McKinney. And so every agency is trying to prepare and play catch up with roads and, and and building uh different schools and and various infrastructure, getting ready for the mass of people that's coming to McKinney, Texas and into Collin County. What are we doing to prepare for that growth? And are we ready to welcome the guests among us? The Apostle Paul says this is important. In Colossians chapter four, verses two through five, he says this, I want you to devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and, and thankful. And and don't forget to pray for us too, that God may open the door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And then this admonition, I want you guys there in Colossae to be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, make the most of every opportunity you have with them. So Paul is there in Rome, he's, he's there in chains, he's under house arrest, and he and the people that are in his party are, are trying to make connections with people. And so he's soliciting the prayers of this dear church and the brothers and sisters there in Colossae, and please pray for us, for us to be bold, even though I'm in chains, I'm going to have interactions, help the message to get out there. But he said, don't forget your mission. Don't forget, you guys are gathered together, your collection of, of people, there in this church, but they're going to be outsiders that come in your midst. Boy, take advantage of the moment they come in your midst and as they join this family. You need to be mindful of that, not only out in the marketplace, but those that come into your assembly. Well, this admonition don't, doesn't just happen in Colossae. Paul talks with his son in the faith Timothy he said Timothy you're there in the church of Ephesus preaching Uh, it's time for y'all to get some elders or some shepherds he goes I want you to pick from a group of guys that have a good reputation out in the community that have a good reputation among the outsiders and then the church at Corinth (laughs) Paul's talking with them he goes I love you guys but you're a hot mess you really are he goes here's the word i'm getting that y'all get together for this feast at communion And some people have a lot of food some don't some some are getting drunk during the communion time you've got houses for don't do that here and then he's like i'm so glad that the holy spirit is giving you the gift of of speaking in tongues but he's like with you guys doing this and popcorn going off of different people doing that He goes, you understand because, oh, well, his sister so-and-so again. Oh, well, his brother. He goes, but if an outsider comes in your midst, they're not going to give you the same kind of grace as brothers and sisters give each other for what's going on there in your assembly. He said, make sure what you're doing connects with outsiders that come in your midst. You know, if we go back to the things we talked about in the introduction, if you frequent a hotel or business and they're a little slow boy, uh, but it's the hotel you always go to on a business trip you cut them some slack why well you developed a relationship you know the people at the front desk you know the service they normally give you also know the distance to the business that you go to from there and so you're going to return it's the same thing with a restaurant every restaurant has an off night if you developed a rapport with them but if it's a place you're going to for the first time they've got to make a good first impression and it's the same with churches a couple years ago they released what's called the seven deadly sins of an unwelcoming church and what's interesting is is we send out little cards to our guests saying hey give us an impression of of your time here at high point and generally things are, are, are very favorable but every once in a while you get someone that had a complete different view of how things were. you're like i wonder what happened on that Sunday that was different than on other sundays but they said this is essentially rolling out an unwelcome mat to guests. the top four were lack of parking locked doors when you tried to get in no greeters at the doors and a clean safe secure children's area We brought in a church architect to review our campus, to say, what do you see? Because sometimes when you're in an environment, you just kind of, oh yeah, that's kind of how we do things. And that's how we, you go from here to here. And it makes sense after you learn the culture. We said, we want to bring someone with fresh eyes to come in and look at our campus. If we're going to be preparing for outsiders, for guests to come be among us, we want to be ready. He listed five things that he said are going to be barriers to outreach barriers to growth barriers to folks that don't know you to give you grace upon this was parking classroom space security a lack of a gathering place and no dedicated youth area so I want to look at each of these individually and also look at some of the solutions that we were able to come up with as a team number one is parking he said you've got to have a parking spot for every two worshipers You know how it is, you know, my wife and I come in separate cars when our son Colby was still living with us. We came in three cars, you know, because I would come at 530 to get ready for this and Jill came for the praise team and, you know, our son and daughter would come 10 minutes into service. You know how that goes. So were, we're, we're part of the problem. And so you've got to have a parking spot for every two worshipers. It's just the way families are. We're getting ready to bring on uh, six shepherds. And part of the reason we did that is we need more parking because we ask our shepherds to park out by the tennis courts. So <laughs> we're bringing on six. That frees up at least three spaces, right? So parking is a major thing that we've got to look at. Currently, we have 332 spaces, which gives us 664 worshipers. He goes, let me guess, this church has been bobbing up and down around six fifty. I said, yes. He goes, you've got to have parking. Why would you invite people and they have no place for them to park? And so boy, I encourage you until we build those things, uh, please go park over the tennis courts. If you got four wheel drive, park in our grass. Even if you don't, the four wheel drive will pull you out. So <laughs> if you can help us out, that'd be great. But the second thing he said you've you've got plenty of auditorium space, but he said you're you're way under on your classroom space. You're cramming too many adults into one class. How many of you have been to our classes and going, oh, I'm getting really close to these people next to me? Right? He said, you want to have 15 to 20 square foot per adult. Our classrooms average seven square foot per person. And if if you look at these classrooms, which row fills up the first? The back? You guys are terrible. Y'all need to go up to the front row. I know you're in the spray zone and John Herzog and he gets crazy, okay? But we're asking our guests that show up five minutes late to walk into a crowded room with people they don't know and go sit right a foot and a half from the person presenting. What they do is they take a peek in and go, I'm good. And they go out and join our third largest class, which is our hallway class, right? So that's what happens. So he said, your classroom space is something you've got to address. But he said, in particular with your children, Children, they say, allow 35 square foot per child because they don't sit in nice rows like adults do. They've got to have room to run around. If you need evidence of this, go over to our worship and check out what's going on. Ours have 15 square foot per kid, so it's less than half what we need. So we've had families that have come for the first time and when they rob and dismiss them to go to this WeWorship, they kind of hop in this crowd. I don't know where we're going. Okay, our kids go over here and they walk in. There's 40 kids plus teenagers. Thank you guys for helping out. And adults all crammed in a small room and they're going, not my kid. I'm not putting them in there. And so they walk back into service or they walk out. It's a huge problem for us. He said the next thing you guys have got to address is a security plan he goes this building was designed in the late 90s when things were different you didn't have things going on like what took place at Walmart uh, out in El Paso or the Sutherland Springs Church where people are viewing churches and schools as soft targets right now we have nine exterior entrances to the building And it's just impossible or next to impossible to defend and secure all nine entrances. And so our security team is forced to do what? Lock doors, which breaks command number two, which is don't lock doors so people can't get in. But you have to, to create a secure environment. And it's not just in our team, our security team does a great job. Let's show James our appreciation. Thank you very much, James. All you guys do. They're sheeps, they're wolves, and they're sheepdogs. And we got a great group of sheepdogs that roam on this campus, and we're very appreciative of them. But it, it's not just our exterior doors, it, it's also that we, for our children, have 10 interior classroom entrances to our kids' classes, 10 doors that we have to watch, and when our kids get up to go to the bathroom, to go down the hall, they're out in this area. and so. We feel secure because we know that James and and Anthony and and Dennis and so many other guys are around and we sit out there. We're like, okay, we're good. Dennis used to be a secret secret service with the president. I I think he can handle the nursery. But folks that don't know Dennis or don't know James or Anthony or all the guys on our team are like, we just see some guys lurking around, but we see open classrooms. And so it's a major security thing if you're not Up on what's happening he said you've got to address these things the fourth thing he said that you are have a shortfall with this building as gathering space here's what an architect said he said if you want to foster community with members and build relationships with guests you have to provide a place for that to happen we're like well how big a place he goes take your worship center which is 10,000 square feet and he goes, you need to provide at least half that size again. Otherwise, people won't come early and they won't stay late. He said, if you're trying as a regional church to connect with the people while they're here on campus, you want to encourage them to come early and encourage them to stay late. You know, so our current, our lobbies are 18% of our worship area. 18% is so small. And so we compound our two lobbies, the congestion that's normally there, by putting our coffee service there, especially in our east lobby. If you've been over there, you know the madness that takes place. In addition to our coffee service, we also have our children's check-in. Okay, so you have all of these kids going to check and people checking in their, their families. We also use it as a place for our widows. We have a valet service for our widow ladies. Also for those with special needs and, and wheelchairs. It all happens in the east lobby. And we understand it. And we know the people that are coming in these lobbies. And we kind of do this number to get in and get in. And we give each other grace. But it's a lot for our guest. What do we ask them to do? If you look on this map, we ask our guests to go up and park out at our guest parking on the west side. We say, this is where we want you. And then we ask them to walk down the pathway. And just imagine you guest walking in here. We know this building, but you're asked to do this. You walk down the pathway, then you come in our west doors, and you see a packed lobby, and you're like, okay, who's supposed to be greeting me? I don't really know where to go. So a greeter finally comes up and says, hi, are, are you a guest here? Yes, yes. Oh, I see you have kids. What do we do with them? Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk past the coffee bar. You'll see our missions board and go down the end of the hallway. Don't go outside, but hang on left and go down the long hallway. And as you're walking down this hallway, you're going to go past the kitchen. Don't stop there. Keep going. Then you're going to hang another left and go down another large tan hallway. And then you're going to walk up. You'll see another coffee service. Then we want you to hop into the messes at our east lobby and check your kids in. We're asking folks to do it. We're like, oh yeah, it makes sense to us. Just send them on around. Okay, but for first time folks that are like, okay, this is madness. I'm going around circles. Why am I doing this? The final thing he said that we've got to do is have a dedicated youth space. And this one's gonna be hard unless you have teenagers or it's been a while. Uh, it hadn't been too long since you've had a teenager, but you walk in our, our chapel, you're like, well, that's a pretty nice space. They ought to be grateful. I, I was in the trailer you know, when I was in our church. You know? But in, in our market, there has, there's an expectation that we will have a dedicated space shows that we value them. What do we do in, if, if we back up just a little bit, what do we also do in this chapel space? It's also a place where we do our Spanish worship. It's where we do our summer series for adults. It's where we do weddings and funerals and AA meetings on Friday night and seminars. It's a multi-purpose room and we're asking our teens to go in and go, you know, I want you to feel special about this place. In our market, we have to be carving out a place that shows families coming to this church for the first time. Well, we value. You don't have to go down the street to the community church to find that. We value what we're doing with Hunter and our youth program. Finally, he says, you've got to develop more of a community presence. He said, I I drove past here and couldn't find the church. And he he said, I I looped around and came back. He said, get rid of the bushes. So that's the first thing we did. We got a group of guys together, went out and spent most of a a Saturday pulling those up. But he said, you have million dollar acre, uh, million dollars an acre frontage, but remain visually anonymous. To the very people you're trying to reach no one knows you're here he said it's kind of like that house on the street that kids wouldn't even go to at trick-or-treating time because it was all blocked off with with shrubbery and everything he goes it's like you're asking people to keep going to find another church He said you've got to have a clear place where you're welcoming people to come what if we could change that What if this is what people saw when they drove down Central Expressway and saw this church? And as they decided to drive into our parking lot, they knew exactly where they were supposed to enter. I want you to notice a few things about this uh, rendition. First is, this is something that you've been asking for for 20 years, which is a dry place to drive under and drop your, your family off when it's raining outside. So we're, we're not just going to have footings, we'll have an actual awning that go on those footings, right? <laughs> You'll also notice there's outdoor seating. There's three garage doors that go up, creating an indoor-outdoor space that as as you're coming in walking up, you'll see people out there drinking coffee and enjoying fellowship as you're walking in. You're also going to notice on the right that there is an indoor play area with big glass doors. We're going to leave the lights on at night, so it will serve as a beacon saying, we love your kids. If you were to turn and go towards the south, here's what you would see. Almost flanked like a, a bookshelf, You've got a bookend over here and a bookend over here. Both of them are communicating, we love kids. Before you ever come into our building, you know, children's ministry and what Alicia and Keanu are doing is so important, and we want you to know before you ever step on our property, we care about our kiddos. Well, if you were to go around to the other side, here's what it starts to look like. Let's see if we can go to our next slide there. If you were to go around to the north, this is what it's going to look like. And we want people to come here, so if we're wanting them to go into these two entrances, we have to provide parking. Phase 1 provides 75 new spots, and they're all on the front of our building. We're not asking people to park in the back and work their way around. We're pointing them to this where we want them to enter, 75 new spots. If you notice that... Our playground is now gone on the side, which allows us to park so much closer. You don't have to go through a wrought iron fence to get into our building. In fact, this is our new entrance leading into our youth area. Now, both of these connect to the same lobby. So people are funneling into two primary entrances. Both are connected in the front of the building. So let's go inside and see what it looks like. The first thing that you're going to notice up here is there's no gymnasium. There's also not half of the hallways that we currently have. Why do we do that? It's basically unusable space. Our our gymnasium serves as a classroom space if we have to for overflow. But we normally don't congregate in the gym. We also don't utilize our hallways that take up almost 25% of our total footprint is with hallways. We said, let's get rid of those. So what changes with this new layout? Well, the first thing we've addressed parking. What about classroom space? Well, we now have six adult classrooms just on this floor. We're going to add a second floor in a minute. But we have six classrooms all lined up on the west side. So you don't have to hunt. Where is this one? Okay, all of our classrooms are over here. And so we're almost doubling the square footage for our adults in our Sunday morning Bible class. But you'll notice we're making these changes without changing the exterior, the the four walls of our building, or our footprint. We don't change the roof line, this is all internal. But look what happens with our children's ministry. It more than doubles. In fact, if you look at uh, our children's ministry, it's not a big L, it's one big square. And that big square is actually larger than our auditorium. So when people come and, and check out High Point, they say, you guys are crazy about kids. Yes, we are. And you need to see what all's going on in our children's program. Let me come tell you what, what's happening here. So we more than double our, our class space for our children. They're our greatest asset. They're also our top priority. Look how that helps us with security. Now, you'll notice that on the south, the southeast, that doorway is no longer open because it'll have a caged-in um, fence area around our outdoor play area. Also, the southwest entrance over by the office, that becomes a key fob-only entrance. And we'll ask our shepherds and, and ministry leaders and our teachers and ministers to all park over there, gain access through there. But other than that, the south entrance will be closed off. This gives us four primary places for people to enter. What about on the inside? One interior entrance into our children's ministry area. One. And once they're checked in, there's restrooms, everything is self-sufficient. You only have to put one mean person there at the door, and Jill has volunteered. (laughs) She's not here, so hopefully I won't get in trouble. But we want to give people the impression, okay, my kids are safe. I can go have coffee, I can have this conversation, I'm going to worship. I know our kids are in a self-sufficient area and they're safe. What about gathering space? We go from 18% to 80% of our worship space, which will allow people to come early. You don't have to drop your kids off and go to, uh, go to Starbucks, yeah, we know you. Uh, we have a coffee bar on campus where you can get all of those drinks and that type of thing. We also ha- are setting up a bunch of tables in on this side over here. We're calling this our gathering space, our third space. Maybe you've heard that term. First place is your home, second place is work or school, third place is where you hang out. It's our cheer, so to speak, in that it's a place where you go to experience relationship and experience community. So we'll have tables out there. And Zach McConnell, one of our shepherds said, why don't we put a question of the day on a little placard and people that are going to get coffee, they can go to, up to the bar top table and sit down and have a, a faith-based conversation as they're enjoying their coffee during our class time. So this begins to change how we do things. It's also a game changer in how we greet guests because we're funneling them into two primary areas. Okay, well, some of you are like going, okay, we did a lot over in that gym area for our fellowship times. What about our fellowship space? Well, we're putting in a commercial kitchen, and we'll also have table and... Ch- we got an amen off the front row, that's awesome. <laughs> if you've dealt with some of our old appliances, you'll know why. But we're also, if you notice on the map, the, the lower red arrow, we're putting in a huge closet that stores our tables and chairs to where we can transform this lobby into our gathering place for fellowship events Whether it be chili cook-off, or ice cream supper, or for a family doing it after a funeral. All this can take place in this really nice lobby that will give us a tremendous amount of space. Well, look what it does for families that don't know this building, that don't know where to go. It helps us with our flow. Our architect said that a family walking into a building ought to be able to see visually Okay, this is where I go, this is where I send this one, this is where I send that one. Well, as you walk into our two lobbies, you can visually see for our children, you take them to the children's check-in, you see with, with the little arrows coming down. Well, what about our teenagers? Well, you can visually walk in, okay, it says youth over here, youth over there. What about our young adults? Well, we've created a special classroom upstairs for our yams and a cool hangout area up there in your adult ministry. What about adults? If you go straight down this hallway, someone will show you the list of six classes that we've set aside for our adults. So all this becomes easier way for us to greet our guests and show them the ropes of our campus. What about dedicated youth space? Well, we'll have a middle school room, a high school room and a hangout area. And because of the garage doors that we'll be putting in, they can also be one large area. We're also putting in an exterior garage door there over on the west side that will allow you to go out onto a covered porch area that will allow us to have some stuff in the evening, do same pit volleyball and do some cool stuff out there, going right out the door, making part of the outdoor area accessible to our youth so this becomes an awesome place for us to communicate what this is important for you and our teenagers we value what they what they're doing okay number one question you're like how much does all this cost phase one is our children's ministry in our mezzanine area which is upstairs we're gonna put the offices and a lot of our meeting rooms and also our games ministry that's $3.5 million. Phase two is youth in our gathering space around it. It's another 2.5. And finally, the redo on our worship center is $1 million. You're like, okay, should we carry the one? That's $7 million. That's a lot of money. When we first started out on this journey, we had a much smaller thing. We're just trying to figure out how do we do some stuff for our, we and children's ministries and do some things But we started talking with architects, started talking about different things and really addressing all of the needs on our campus. And one of the builders we talked with, she said, what is your sustainability model? What are you doing as your older members, your primary givers are retiring and going to fixed income or passing away over the next 10 to 20 years? So what's your sustainability model? He said the majority of the churches that he builds they're putting in some type of way that ensures the sustainability long term for the financial viability of the church he says what's your plan he said if you considered putting in a daycare center we physically moved back from the table and said we've done the school thing he said that's not what i'm talking about we're not talking about a christian school He said, I want you to go over and tour the Brookhaven Church that's a few miles from your building and just go see the daycare. They call it an academy, but it's the daycare center that they put in. He goes, you also need to research how many different churches in your area are doing this as a financial viability tool. And so we said, well, at least go look at it, but this is not the direction that we think we should go. And so we went over it, and we expected it to have an institutional feel. It didn't. Boy, and in fact, the adult and common spaces, they were beautiful. They were top-notch. So we're like, well, yeah, but if you're doing uh, daycare back in the children's area, uh, it's probably not going to be all that great. Well, that's not what we experienced. We walked in. We're like, wow, this is the entrance into your children's area? Okay, but that's just what the parents can see. If this thing's on lockdown, what's it gonna be like behind the doors? We walked into these classrooms. We couldn't believe what we saw. And we said, these classrooms don't feel like a school. because it's not a school. It's a daycare area. And he said, anything that's used by the daycare gets put into these wooden bins on rollers and rolled into storage. He goes, we want you to have a clean slate for doing church at midweek and on the weekends. So on Sunday morning, we will have a state-of-the-art facility for our children is what people coming to be among us will see. He said, can I do a financial feasibility study for your area as to what the need is for daycares. I said, well, you're welcome to, but I can tell you the experience of Robin and Stephanie Brandon when they moved in a couple of years ago. They got put onto six waiting lists. There simply aren't enough for our community and our community is growing. So he said, well, let me do this study. And so he went out and did this. He came back and he said, this is the best feasibility study I've ever seen. And I've been doing this with kinder care since the late 80s. He goes, this area is prime for what you're trying to do. So he said, you need to seriously consider putting this in. So what the numbers we're going to present are what's called the worst case scenario. He said, you should immediately get up to 80% of occupancy. So how would adding a daycare benefit us? The monthly revenue coming in would be 190000 That's per month. The daycare would then make a monthly contribution to High Point Ministries to the tune of 55,000 every month. 30,000 would go towards retrofitting our campus each month, which allows us to have 25,000 of discretionary spending every month. How would we use that money? Well, our finance committee is like, put it towards our debt. Let's retire this bad boy and get that behind us. But it also provides opportunities, if we have something on the mission field or something we see here locally, to respond to it. An extra $300,000 a year. But primarily, we want to put that towards our existing note. Anything else? So yes, we've been inviting young families with children to be on our campus five days a week. So we talked with the pastor over at Brookhaven he said, well, we've been in operation for a year and a half, and we're currently bringing in 12% of our students are coming. Their families are being a part of, of our church. So we asked the gentleman that puts these in, what are some churches doing They're doing it better? He said their ministers are going out in the carpool line and opening doors and making connections with those families. They're offering date nights. They're offering father-daughter Uh, mother-son events and they're advertising letting them know come be a part of what we have first year financial peace you know these are the things our church offers and we would love to connect with you and if they come on campus they already know our children's ministers and youth minister because they've seen them throughout the week on our campus the other thing is we got to asking about curriculum we know it's a preschool but you're doing something during those 12 hours he said, yes, we use the Abeka curriculum. I asked my wife about that. She goes, well, that's what we use at Dallas Christian, at Northland Christian, and at Waco Christian as a teacher. She goes, it's fantastic. It's faith-based curriculum. So 100% of our kids would be exposed to Scripture and to the Bible. And well, I it goes it's the same thing. Uh, throughout the week, for 12 hours, we're able to do that. So people we don't know are bringing their kids that we don't know and paying us to teach them the Bible for 12 hours. I thought it was a pretty good deal. I read this stat that George Barna said. His quote is, If children do not begin their faith journey learning these stories, building a relationship with Jesus by age 13, oftentimes it just doesn't happen. But Barna said 94% of people that come to faith do so before their 18th birthday. So it's right in what we're trying to do as a congregation, and it plays to our strength with our awesome children and youth ministry programs. So I encourage us to think about these things. You know, I've to thinking about my own upbringing, about the time and what took place in those classrooms when I was growing up. I think of the sweet ladies that had their flannel graph. And you remember sitting at the little tables? You know, they're kind of kidney shaped, and you do the flannel graph, and then they had the film strips and foot books, and then always handwork, especially for kids that just loved the hands on stuff. But what they were doing was building a foundation of faith for me that has lasted all of my life. They were partnering with my parents to make sure these stories took root. Make sure the story of Jesus was being put into my heart at a young age. And so it's our calling to do the same. What I'm just asking us to consider is removing these barriers to growth. Removing these barriers that outsiders would put up. Because if you agree with me that what we offer as a congregation is fantastic. Boy, it it is life changing for these families we simply want to remove those barriers that would have them say you know what I'm gonna go down to another church we want them to experience this community we want them to experience the great things that our programs offer so we have a plan put in place that will increase our parking double our classroom space make it a safe place for our kids increase our fellowship I I tell you, to me, that's the one I'm most excited about. If you've been down to Westover Hills in Austin or to West Houston or other places that have these large gathering places, people are sticking around 45 minutes or an hour after service and communing with their shepherds and having faith-based conversations. Boy, these are some of the things that it allows us to do, plus showing value to our teams. We got to ask a question as a congregation, Is this the right time for us to do these things? One of the people that we've spent a lot of time talking with is Early B. Milstead and just asking him about. Early B. Tell us about, you've been in each of the places. He said every 20 to 25 years, you evaluate the people you're trying to reach and you make a decision It's the reason this church has been around for 100 years is you're constantly evaluating the market that you're trying to reach. He said you do all you can to hold together those that are currently here or open yourselves up to new people. That's why they kept doing this every 20 to 25 years. What about us? I think we have something special going on here and I want people to say this is going to be the place we want our family to go. You know, church, we have the saving message of Jesus that God loves us so much to give us his one and only son. We want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. I know this is kind of a business meeting feel, but we know you come with needs. If you want to respond to Jesus or you have a prayer request, boy, we want you to bring that in just a moment as we stand to sing. But I also want you to write out those questions. Take a moment. Say, these are some things I want answered. Put them in those baskets so we can dress them tonight. If we can help you this morning, come now as we stand, as we sing.